0: So this picture of loving fully is the picture of consistently loving, constantly loving. Whether we feel like it or not, we must love. That's loving fully. You are listening to CCF Run Through: timeless truths for today's life in just 30 minutes. If you want to hear more or know more about our ministry, please visit ccf.org.ph. Enjoy listening. Today, we're going to look at the series and carry on with this beautiful perspective on living the full life. So let's unpack God's Word and look at what it means to love fully. We're going to look at three things. First, loving fully means to fulfill the law. We're going to look at loving fully means to also make sure that we do it with urgency. And finally, loving fully means we do this like Jesus. Are you guys ready? Loving fully has everything to do with the passages we're going to look at in Romans. Romans 13, verse 8 to 14, which you read together with JC earlier, unpacks this for us. So let's go through it. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. Let's take a step back here and look at this first highlight. The Bible tells us, if you have any obligations, what does it say? Settle it. Owe nothing to anyone, the Bible tells us. Why does it say that? In verse 7, if you recall from last week, the Bible told us this, render to all what is due them. So, what are these obligations? If you need to pay your taxes, uh, if you have debt, obviously, financial debt that you need to pay off, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. In other words, the Bible says, if we have any obligation, we need to what? Settle it. Can you say settle it? And I love that we now have the liberty to remove our masks, and I can see your faces. Can you say, settle it? Settle it. The Bible says, owe nothing to anyone. So we need to settle it. But in an interesting twist, Paul goes on and helps us appreciate this first principle about loving fully. He tells us, owe nothing to anyone except, the Bible says, except to what? To love one another. Now, why would it say that? When you look at what the Bible is trying to tell us, it's trying to remind us that of all the obligations which we can settle, I can pay my taxes, I can settle my debt with the bank, I can settle my obligations, my commitment. If I promised my kids we would get ice cream, I can settle that. But love can never be fully paid back. There is no limit to the amount of love we should be giving other people. Are you following so far? I can never say, tapos na. I loved my wife when I committed at the altar. Tapos na. It's done. I've loved her enough. Or you know what? This person who's difficult, I've loved them. Tapos na. It's done. The Bible says actually, this is the one obligation to love the other that will never ever be settled. We must keep loving. So this picture of loving fully is the picture of consistently loving, constantly loving. Whether we feel like it or not, we must love. That's loving fully. Now, another aspect of loving fully is when you look at this word here, it is the word agape. But actually, it comes from the word agape. The real word it is using is the word agapao. Agapao. What is agapao? Agapao is the verb form of agape. Everybody knows agape, it's unconditional love, right? So that's the noun. When the Bible says, this is the love we must show, it is saying, it is not a concept. It is not an idea, I know I need to love unconditionally. But it's saying, you must do it. The verb, the action form. So the Bible is saying, to love fully is to love continuously, unconditionally, in action form. Hindi pwedeng I love you conceptually, I need to show it. So love is action. It's not just, as the Bible tells us, it's not just word and talk. The Bible even says that literally. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue. But in what? It says indeed. So it is action. We need to remember that. Love fully is action. I had a a friend from before who um, I was helping out. And I was praying with them, I was giving them biblical counsel. And I remember very distinctly when they were going through some hard times, the natural instinct for us Christians is to pray, right? Oh, we'll pray for you, bro. We'll pray. And so we did that. We prayed for him. But one day I felt like God was saying, bro, you, you helped give him something. And we were starting out as a family, so we didn't have much means. But I said, okay, I'll, I'll give him a little bit of money. So I invited him for coffee. I said, hey, how are you doing? And we talked. And then I said, can I pray for you? He's like, thanks. I prayed for him. And then I handed him a little bit of that money. And you know what? He got teary eyed. And he said to me, bro, it's so easy for people to say, I'll pray for you. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the fact that you did something and you helped us out. And I said, bro, that's not a lot of money. He's like, yeah, but the fact that you did, it really touches my heart. Thank you for showing me love in action. Are you guys following me? So that's loving fully. It is in action. It is towards other people, towards everybody. Now, the Bible tells us, as we unpack loving fully, it now tells us that when we do this, he who loves his neighbor this way, loving, it says, we have fulfilled the law. So let's unpack that. What does it mean when the Bible says, to love this way fulfills the law? As Paul continues on in chapter 13, he brings us to this part for this." So, because of setting that up, he says, because you shall not commit adultery. Can you guys read that? You shall not, okay. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet, right? The Bible says you should not covet. And if there is, can you read it? Any other commandment, it is summed up in the saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. What is Paul trying to say here? What are we trying to unpack here? What is very interesting is he quotes four of the Ten Commandments. That's why I checked it off. Adultery, murder, steal, not covet. But what is interesting about this is he says, if there is any other commandment, if there's any other. So, when he says any other here, when you look at the actual text, it means similar. If there are similar commandments to this, what is it supposed to do? It is supposed to sum, it is summed up in the saying. What is the saying? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Is, let's step back. Let's look at the Ten Commandments. Why would Paul say that? When the, the Bible gives us the commandments, the first one we know, you shall have no other gods before me. Very clear, right? Number two is, you shall not make for yourself an idol. So, very clearly, God says, no other God. I'm the only God, number one. But number two, it says, do not make any idol. So if you notice, for example, in any of our CCF satellites, we don't have any idols. Many religious backgrounds will have it, but God is saying, do not make any idol. Do not make any idol that might even represent me because we might be sincere. Like what happened in, even in this context, they I made mean, the golden calf. You know, do not make any idol, the Bible is saying or any likeness of what is in heaven, or on earth, beneath, or in the water, under the earth, you shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third, the fourth generation, of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness, there's that word, to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. So these first two are pretty clear. God is saying, no other God. No other likeness, no idol. And then he goes on, the third commandment and the fourth one. Number three is, do not take my name in vain. You know, when people say, O-M, don't use God's name in vain because He is holy. So he's saying, don't use my name in vain. And then number four is this, the Sabbath, to honor God and say, okay, God, today is a Sunday. We want to honor you. We want to rest from our work and really just say, Lord, this is your day. We love you. We worship you. We want to just be with you. So those are the four commandments to start off with. And the reason I'm sharing this to you is all four are vertical. Can you say vertical? So they have to do with us and God. Does that make sense? Loving God. Are you following this? The next six, let's unpack the six. This is where Paul ties it together. The fifth commandment is honoring mom and dad, right? And then the sixth one is, shall not murder. That's what you saw quoted earlier by Paul, not murder. Number seven, adultery. Number eight, steal. Number nine, bearing false witness. And then number 10 is all about not coveting. So coveting, whether it's our goods or neighbor's wife, right? So when we look at this, now we better understand why Paul says those four commandments he quoted and others like it. So the others that are like it, father and mother, the bearing false witness. These six commandments are now towards others, the other. Are you following? So, when Paul says those commandments that he quoted and those that are like it are summed up in love your neighbor as yourself, now we see why. Ah, I understand. It's because all of these six are related to others. There are more about the others than there are more about God. Are you following so far? Now, as I'm sharing this, what I found so powerful is when Jesus raises it. Can everybody say, raise? Jesus raises it and He says, you know what? Even as Paul is expounding on why it's so important that love fulfills the law, and he's showing it in the commandments here, Jesus was asked in Matthew 22:36 36 to 40, right? They were trying to trap Him and I want to give you a very important context. They're asking him a question, Jesus or teacher, which is the great commandment? Or in Mark, where it's also echoed, Mark 12, 28, the first, the most important, what are the most important commandments? And then Jesus responds, right? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And then the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. What I want to help us appreciate is this. When he was asked, this question, what the scribes and the Pharisees were trying to do was trap him. Why? Let me give you a little bit of background. The rabbis, back in Jesus' day, when they were interviewing him, had determined 613 commandments. Can I say that again? How many? 613. 613 commandments in the Pentateuch. Right? The first five books. And it was because they wanted to create a commandment for each letter in the Ten Commandments in the Hebrew. So the Ten Commandments you looked at, so each of those letters in Hebrew, they created 613 commandments. And as they created those 613, 248 were affirmative. This is what to do. And then the 365 were, do not do this. Negative. So stay with me. Stay with me. They also classified it into heavy commandments and light commandments. So, what they were trying to do with Jesus is say, let's check this guy out. Let's see what he will have to say because we have 613. There's affirmative, there's negative, there's heavy and light. What does Jesus think is heavy? Because amongst themselves, the issue was for the scribes and the rabbis, they couldn't settle amongst themselves. What's heavy of all these commands? The 613, is this one heavy? They couldn't resolve that. So they're thinking, what if we ask Jesus, let's see, let's put Him on the spot and reveal His unorthodox way, and then we'll have Him. Are you guys following so far? This dramatic moment. So Jesus, in His masterful way, responds. And how does he respond? Once again, he tells them, love God with all your heart. They knew that. Then he says, this is the second. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, he said, these two depend, and this is where he raises it, the whole law. Not just the 10 commandments, six of them have to do with loving your neighbor, four vertically with God. He's saying, you know what? All, all of the law. All of the Old Testament, all of the things that you're saying there and all of the instructions and commandments boil down to these two. Love God, love others. When we go back to this, our main verse, right? Chapter 13, verse 8 to 14, we've looked at this. Paul is saying, these were the four. And then he's saying, if there's any other, it is summed up in this statement. In the summing up, Paul says, This is why it's so important for us to frame love with respect to the law, because love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, Paul says, it is the fulfillment of the law. So I love that perspective and I I synthesize it with this perspective over here. The Holy Spirit, as we've seen in Romans. We talked about how Holy Spirit is the one that powers us to be able to live righteously and fulfill the law, but we realized that love is our motivator. Does that make sense? The reason why I will obey God is because of love. The reason why I will not want to harm, steal, commit adultery, bear false witness, do any of these things to the neighbors because of Love. Let's carry on. We love fully to fulfill the law and with urgency. So after having set all of that up, we can move a little bit faster when you look at this next part of the verse. It says, do this. So all of that stuff, loving fully, the Bible says, do this, all of this, knowing the time. What does that mean? That it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. When the Bible says, awaken from sleep. And it says, for now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed, right? It says nearer to us. It's basically reminding us, hey, 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 there is a sense of urgency. Can everybody say urgency? The Bible is saying, wake up. Can you look at the person beside you and say, wake up. We need to awaken from this spiritual lethargy and apathy because as we know, it says, salvation is nearer to us than when we believe. What does that mean? Um, Salvation here is not coming to Jesus as Lord and Savior and being saved from our sins. That's done. This salvation that is near to us is the picture of glorification when we will see Jesus finally again. So it is nearer to us than when we first believe, when we first experience salvation. So because of that urgency, Jesus is coming sooner than it was yesterday, than it was a few minutes ago. Then there's an urgency for us to love fully because of this urgency. Are you guys following? Do this, the Bible says, love fully. Write motivation as it fulfills the law so that we might realize that it is urgent. What does this look like practically? I want to ask you a hard question, CCF family. Are we too busy to care? And I'm guilty of this. There was a dear friend who was an office mate in one of my first jobs. And I was a Christian already. And you know how you just get busy. So I didn't really find the time to spend with him and talk to him about God or faith matters. And he was one of those very successful, but he had a reputation of being a player, lots of different girls. So I didn't think he would be interested in it. So I never had the conversation. Years later, different job, different life, we reconnect. And he said, Edric, you've been a Christian all this time, even when we were working together? He said, why didn't you share Jesus to me back then? I'm a Christian now, but I've gone through so much pain and heartache because I didn't know Jesus sooner. Bro, why didn't you tell me about Him then? So that's my heart for all of us is that we realize this sense of urgency that, God, whoever it is you send my way, I want them to experience your love so that you don't have stories like that, friend of mine. And in sharp contrast, Because we homeschool, by God's grace, we have a lot more time with our kids. You know, although I work, we have a lot more contact with them. And one of our sons, who uh, maybe for this time will remain anonymous, had questions about his faith, and he would ask big questions. Now, if you know my wife, homeschooling mom, Joy, she's very particular about how the kids learn, what they're learning, so when this a son of ours, dropped the bomb and said, I don't know why I'm believing all this. How do I know that all of this is true? All this Jesus stuff, all the Bible stuff. How do I know that you're not making this up? That you're not just inventing this so that we're brainwashed and we're all brainwashed. So my wife was like, not my son. Cannot be, right? It's like, I'm homeschooling him. It cannot be, not in our household, you know, and all these thoughts, like we come from a Christian family. We're doing everything right. We're controlling all— So she was initially kind of panicking, like, I cannot believe this is happening. But I was like, okay, why, son? And I'm sharing all of this to bring you to a point in the course of that period, because we had time to give him and just love him and hear him. Because I said, babe, relax, relax. Let's listen to what he is trying to say, and let's give us much biblical advice as we can. Let's bring him to his uncle also. Let's bring him to people who can give answers. So we were doing that. And so after a couple of years, we noticed it was not present anymore. He wasn't having these questions about, I don't know what I believe and my faith. He was serving God. He was even doing small group with some of our D group's children. I'm like, wow. And so we asked him, Eden, oh, sorry, I didn't mention the name. Son. I said, son, Eden, (laughs) what changed, buddy? And we were in the dinner table, and I will never forget what he said. He said, dad, mom, thank you for giving the time to answer my questions. But honestly, it wasn't the answers you gave that turned my heart. It was how you continued to love me. Even if I had all these questions, it's because of your love for me that I began to understand better, and now I know. And now I love God and all these questions are not there anymore. So here's the question. If I only had one month left to live in terms of love and loving others, loving fully, I would spend more time with who? Who is it that God is speaking to you right now? Who is it? I will reconcile with whoever that is. I will tell this person that I love them. Who is it that God is telling you to speak to right now? And as I'm asking these questions to you, the same heartbeat, what's stopping me from doing it right now? Could it be that we're deeply hurt and we just don't want to try? Love fully to fulfill the law. Love fully with urgency. And this is my favorite part. We love fully like Jesus. Let's look at what the Bible tells us. Therefore, it said, let us lay aside The deeds of darkness. What are the deeds of darkness? Now, as opposed to being awakened from our sleep and slumber, spiritual lethargy and apathy, this is sin. Could it be that it is sin that is preventing us from loving people well? Could it be that it is sin that is preventing us from loving God and following Him to the best of our ability? It says, ladies aside, let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing. There's examples, drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity, sensuality, not in strife, and in jealousy. And instead, it says two parallel statements. It says, put on the armor of light, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So the picture here is of clothing. Paul is using this powerful metaphor to help us close the lesson for us today. What is the main lesson? To love fully. Can you look at the person beside you once again and say, love fully. Go. Love fully. That's the main message. And as we're winding this down, I love how Paul gives this parallel and says, you know what, guys? In loving or in living or in sinning, the important thing is that we don't do it in our own ability. We need to love like Jesus. The picture he's putting on, and to help us uh, illustrate this a little bit better. I have um, some clothing here. Some of you are sports fans, and if you're like me, we're really into badminton lately. Some of you like basketball, some of you like golf, and um, when Paul talks about putting on clothing, it's not literally putting on Jesus on my body, right? That's not what he's saying, but he's saying something very profound. He's talking about sanctification. And we've unpacked that in the series of Romans where I will, while I'm here, Once I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I will continue to try and be more and more like Jesus. I'll be more and more holy while I'm here until Christ calls me home. So that whole picture of sanctification, this putting on of Jesus is, if you're a basketball player, you like Steph Curry, you'll buy his shoes, buy his jersey, you'll put it on. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to think like Steph. I'm going to act like Steph. And in my case, since I like badminton, there are these really elite badminton players who I will watch on YouTube. And when I watch them, I'm like, you know, maybe if I buy the shoes, I'll get better. Maybe if I buy this gear, I can be like them. I can jump high. I can smash like crazy. I will be more nimble. Now, whether that's true or not, ask our friends. But my point is this. This beautiful picture is, Jesus, I want to be like you. I want to put that on. I want to change my thoughts and my behaviors. And I want to put on Jesus. I want to be like you. I want to love like you. I want to do what you do. Are you following me? That's that picture. And I'm going to leave my shoes here. No, I'm not going to leave it here. So this picture for all of us is exactly what Paul is trying to say. For all of us, if we want to be able to love fully, to love, to fulfill the law with urgency, we need to love like Jesus." So beautiful. And this is what Jesus says. If we want to see how Jesus loved, He says something. As we looked at all the commandments earlier, it's interesting that He says, a new commandment. New. So He said, what are the two most important? Love God and love others, right? And then He now says, wait, wait, wait. A new commandment I give to you. So what is this new commandment? Jesus says, as I have loved you, that's how we are to love others fully. He is our model. Now, we know that how did Jesus do it? He did it sacrificially. He modeled the highest form of love so that we might see that's, that's, what, that's what we need to do. And He says, by this, all men will know you are my disciples. This is my heartbeat. I am not a perfect lover. Ask my wife. I have so many areas to improve on. Ask my kids. Ask our discipleship family. But this resonates deeply with me. If there's anything we will remember from loving fully, remember that this is the mark of every follower of Jesus. Can you read this with me? By this, all men, read it with me, guys, by this, all men will know you are my disciples if we have love for one another. This is the mark of every Christian. This is the mark of every follower of Jesus. And I pray for all of us, CCF family, this is our core values, L-O-V-E, that we will be marked, not so much by our intellect, not so much by our discipleship, which is all great, but by our love, because it's the love that will propel all of these things forward. Are you guys with me? Let's close. I love what this guy says. Napoleon Bonaparte said, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and myself founded empires. But on what foundation did we rest the creation of our genius upon force? Jesus Christ founded an empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men and women would die for Him because we love Him, because we've experienced His love. Final question. What other ways can I show that I love like Jesus? We're going to bow our heads and pray now. And as we bow our heads and pray, thinking about these perspectives on loving fully, I want to pray a Bible verse. Is that okay? This will be our closing prayer for all of us. And then we will make a special side prayer for our guests because there could be some people here who are saying, I don't know if I can love that way, because I don't think I've received that love yet. I've not experienced the love of Jesus. So if that's you, we were going to make a prayer with you as well. In the meantime, this is the prayer that we will all pray. I'm going to read it, and this is my prayer. I love how Paul shares this in Ephesians, and it's a prayer that I pray we all have. I'm going to start reading it, and we can just bow our heads as we prayerfully end our time together. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that He would grant you, all of us, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, and that you, all of us, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints What is the breadth, the length, the height, and depth? And to know the love of Jesus, which surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Indeed, Lord Jesus, to love, to live fully, we need to love fully. So that is our prayer today as we wind down our time with the CCF family all over the world and all of our guests. And as we make this deep prayer to you, Lord Jesus, to you, Father God, there are some guests of ours who do not know you who do not know your love. And so they want to experience love. They want to be able to manifest this to the others. They want this love to help change them and experience all sorts of breakthroughs that we've heard in the many different stories and words from you today. But they don't know you. They don't have your love. And so if you are that guest, wherever you are watching, wherever you are right now, you can make a prayer that will literally change your life. You can pray something like this. Dear Jesus, today I open my hands and I ask for forgiveness for all of my sins. And as I ask for your forgiveness, I want to receive your love. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sins, and I receive that right now. I receive that loving gesture you've given me, and as I do that, I can have the confidence of knowing that I can be with you through eternity, and I can live my life now, fully embracing and experiencing the full life because of this love, and as I share this to others also, would you allow me to do that? That others will experience that in my life as well. I thank you once again for this time and what this means in my life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless everybody.